Hello and welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of The Pitch in Kansas City. I'm your host and the editor-in-chief of The Pitch, Barack Wilbur. How is everyone doing this week? Complicated times, complicated times out there, complicated times. Uh, we are heading into the start of holiday season, and I am dealing with the, du- the duplicity of holiday times. Uh, in that, some highs, some lows. All the highs are high, all the lows are lows, and everything else uh, is difficult to put a finger on the pulse of. To get the pitch out, I have to be in the office for a couple of days before it goes to press, reviewing things, using printouts from our industrial printer, making sure everything looks right, and working with a couple of people in the office. Throughout pandemic, the only time I've really had to work with other people has been around deadline day. And based on when it falls this month, uh, it is the same week as Thanksgiving. In fact, it's two days beforehand. And if I was going to see my family, I would need to, to follow CDC guidelines, have already quarantined several days ago with no plans to see anybody else before seeing them, especially my 90-year-old grandmother who keeps insisting I should visit all the time. Uh, and when I say, I don't want to kill you, she says, oh, that doesn't matter to me. And I have to say, well, it, it would matter to me if I killed you uh, through uh, being an idiot about stuff. So, um, yeah, my first Thanksgiving, I'm not spending with the family. I don't think my sister is going home either. It's um, it's a difficult time for us, but it's it's a difficult time for them, and it's a difficult time for, for God, everybody. So uh, I think this year the Wilbur family will be engaging in a very uncomfortable and long uh, Zoom or FaceTime call while we all eat food in our different places. So if if you missed watching your dad eat mashed potatoes and gravy, technology has provided a solution. It's just that you then have to do it. You know, yeah, me eating cream corn is not better. Uh, so, yeah, we just all have to make a separate Thanksgiving dinner. Uh <laughs> That sucks. Um, I just came from going to the Powell Gardens, which are east of town. Um, They have launched their big holiday Festival of Lights celebration. Um, I just kept crying. It's just a bunch of Christmas lights out in a giant, giant area. Uh, Even with other people there, they were so far away that nothing mattered. Uh, Still wore the mask, but like definitely could have gone without. had hot chocolate, a thing that I forget exists. Um, just a bunch of hot cocoa uh, in a mug, walking around looking at beautiful, beautiful Christmas lights and becoming a child, just becoming a child that just points and yells at things because they're pretty. Uh, there's one point where it is just a giant, well, imagine the maze from The Shining, uh, but if it made you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside, it was just that many lights in that sort of arrangement. And I learned that if you have uh, 3D glasses of a particular type, um, Christmas lights uh, become sort of like these blossoming flower-looking things. Uh, I'm shocked that it took me till 2020 to know this, but like, it, it's like having tracers while doing drugs. Like, it's just every Christmas light comes to life. And so me and my wife were walking around the Powell Gardens, uh, just pointing and giggling at things and just being like, I've never seen lights that look like those lights um i have (laughs) i've returned home with a sense of childlike wonderment that i think i'm going to chase that like you know what even if the holidays are not what they were supposed to be and even if they are going to be far away 
there is still a humanity that exists and there are still things worth getting excited about um yeah i i had so much fun that i actually grabbed my wife and said i, I would like to be buried here not all year round but like bury me at the powell gardens every year during their christmas lights celebration month i would like to do that there was also a tiki bar uh that might have helped my excitement uh, in fact, there are four different bars in about a mile stretch of, of, of land. And, uh, yeah, one was a wine bar and, and one was just Christmas type goodies. And then, uh, one was called the North pole, which is different than the Christmas type goodies. But yeah, it, the, it, the park seems designed to get you sloshed enough to, to regress to when you were seven and just shouting and pointing and kudos, they pulled it off. Uh, today on the Streetwise podcast, uh, we have... A special guest we have a special song the two might be related but first up our friend jason from stolen dress entertainment is going to read off a few more of our best of items from the best of kc issue 2020 that is on stance now black gift rallies for systemic change founded back in may gift has been reaching out to area businesses to see what problems need addressing their mission is to invest in black-owned businesses located in low-income areas of kansas city Enter Ruby Jeans Juicery. Faced with reduced revenue due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the establishment was at risk of losing all three of its storefront locations. The $10,000 donation will help the establishment keep its doors open and staff working, GIFT Executive Director Brandon Calloway says. The recent outrage and protests centered on racial inequalities are ushering in a new era for black business owners. While support has prompted an uptick in clientele and donations for some local black-owned businesses, some fear that the momentum won't last and businesses will suffer as a result. With little help outside of consumers, the root issues that perpetuate inequality in Kansas City's local black communities signal that there is more work to be done. Black Casey residents are disproportionately impoverished, with a poverty rate of nearly 25%, according to 2018 U.S. Census data, as compared to a nearly 12% poverty rate for white residents. Drunken Worms Bathroom Hosts a Takedown of Toxic Masculinity the Drunken Worm on 39th Street is a second home to many of us here at The Pitch. At times, it has even served as our de facto office. Amid coronavirus, one of the most devastating blows that ricocheted through our extended family was the loss of worm bartender Christopher C. Wash Washington. It came out of the blue and absolutely wrecked anyone who had ever crossed paths with one of the kindest, most aware dudes we'll ever know. One of his favorite things to joke about with us was the curse of a patch of drywall in the men's room. For reasons unknown by man, this small restroom contains a single, seemingly arbitrary section where bros cannot stop punching holes in it. Again, to know what's happening there. No matter how often the random spot gets fixed, someone inevitably comes through and, surely soberly, perforates the barrier yet again. Dudes rock. Rather than keep up the endless cycle of repairs, someone mounted a frame around the hole to make it look like it was an intentional piece of art. Then they adorned it with a small sign, akin to those you'd find in a museum or art gallery. The sign says, Bruised Male Ego, Artist Unknown. Makes us laugh every single time we see it. Only became funnier when someone stole the sign. LOL. Rachel Gonzalez is an overflowing fountain of hope. Imagine what might have been, had you become involved in fighting for what you believe in at a younger age. Maybe if we put in the work earlier, we could have avoided gestures at this whole mess. Yeah, some of us feel a bit guilty that it took all this nonsense to finally invest our time and energy into making change. Luckily, that delay on investing in impact is not going to be a problem that our younger generations face, and Rachel Gonzalez is proof. As a first-generation American, Gonzalez made headlines in 2016 when she was elected as the youngest DNC convention delegate in the country. 
Following her childhood dream of helping make this country a better place, she was sent to represent Missouri. As a high school senior, who wouldn't even be old enough to vote until just before the presidential election, she went to the convention and fought hard for everything she believed. Despite the result of 2016, she's never stopped pushing for more, and her political star is on the rise. In the last year, she's flown across the country to meet with several presidential candidates and has been invested in our local political struggles, all while attending college. I see a future for Kansas City that reflects our values, Gonzalez says. One with a police chief who does all they can to protect citizens and protesters and not just talk about it. One that no longer has street names associated with racists such as J.C. Nichols. One with high schools that are fully accredited and colleges that are better funded by the state. And a city that invests more in community programs and actively works to end gun violence. Someday, sooner rather than later, we'll have Gonzalez writing legislation as she inevitably becomes one of our city or state leaders. There's really no limit to what we see her accomplishing, and we're wildly appreciative that she's inspiring so many others to follow her path. You are never too young or too old to get involved and take action, Gonzalez says. Join me. Thrifted finds are taking over. Vintage fashion is making a comeback. Well, it's been here for years. The rest of us are finally realizing how wonderful it is. And local vintage and thrift boutiques are making it even easier for us to shop affordable and sustainable looks. Daisy Lee Vintage reopened this year on West 18th Street, bringing curated vintage fashion ranging from the 60s to Y2K back to their Crossroads store, while still operating a pop-up at Fetch in the West Bottoms and another shop in the Oak Park Mall. Troost Staple Peach's Vintage Collective is always stocked with curated looks that take us straight back to the 70s. Plus, they're conveniently located next door to Virgil's, the mobile plant store turned brick-and-mortar shop. We should all know the classics by now. Boomerang Vintage just celebrated its 31st birthday, and Donna's Dress Shop is stylish as ever on 39th Street, along with Retro Vixen. But another treat vintage and thrift lovers have indulged in this year are the pop-ups, so many pop-ups. We saw Shop Kiku bring her tie-dye art and curated vintage clothing from Etsy and into Dear Society on Broadway. The Wallflowers Collective brought their thrifted clothing from Poshmark to an IRL Rockford sidewalk sale in September. There are so many more vintage collectives and shops on Instagram hustling their wares on story sales that have left us all itching for the next drop. At Songbird underscore Vintage, at Milk and Cookies Vintage, at Shop Vintage Haven, at Ayaha Vintage, at Tall Tale Vintage, at Vintage for Josephine, and so many more. Vintage fashion is here to stay in Kansas City, and we're loving every bit of distressed denim, bucket hats, and slip dresses about it. The Overwhelming Kindness of Waldo Tie Place Even in the kind of year that we now think of as normal, Waldo Thai Place would be a star in Kansas City's galaxy of Asian restaurants. Actually, all restaurants. But the team led by executive chef Pam Liberta and her husband, Teddy Liberta, has stood out in the pandemic. From mid-March through June, Waldo Thai at 8431 Warnell Road offered free carry-out lunches Tuesday through Saturday to service industry workers. A lot of us in management here came from Asian backgrounds. We didn't grow up having a lot, says Daryl Liu, the bar manager. We take and we give. The local support we've received has been incredible, so we wanted to give something back. Waldo Tai eventually had to discontinue the lunches to focus on its own bottom line, which, like most restaurants, has been harmed by COVID-19 and social distancing restrictions. But along with in-person dining Mondays through Saturdays beginning at 4.30 p.m., it continues to sustain the community with dazzling takeout options. For $55, the family meal will sustain three or four people with an array of main dishes and appetizers and have enough left over for appetizers. We're hanging in there, Lou says, and long may they last. And now, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it is time for Nick's Music Corner. No, it's not. Nick has the week off. Dang, who's going to do this? 
It's Brock's Music Corner. Welcome to Brock's Music Corner. Today, we are featuring the song that won Best Song in Kansas City in our Best of KC 2020 voting. And that song goes to the band The Way Way Back. This is off their new EP, Baggage, or You're Never Going to Leave It All Behind. Uh, the song is called Bad Star. Here we go.
And now I sit down for an interview with Ben Went, the lead singer of The Way Way Back. See how I tied it into the song you just heard? Yes. Now here's the interview. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Okay. So uh, my name is Ben Went. I live in Kansas City, Missouri. I am a, a dad, husband, uh, emo punk rocker i run the the music venue the reno kansas city podcast host basically i just constantly uh create jobs for myself so my anxiety doesn't eat me alive <laughs> how is the rhino doing because i was hoping to record a stand-up album there and then i saw that uh you know like everyone else uh 2020 is just being real mean to it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The Rhino's going to be fine. We had a really successful telethon a few weeks back. Uh, we more than reached our, our goal, so we will absolutely keep the lights on. And in the next month, we are going to start doing ticketed live stream concerts. And so there won't be an audience physically present, but you will have the ability to buy a ticket and watch a very high-quality live stream of live music and then as the COVID numbers start to go down, eventually we're going to try to do kind of a hybrid model where we allow maybe 25 or so people in the audience, you know, nice and spread out and masked, and then also continue to do ticketed live streams so that people can experience the Rhino and experience live local music, uh, you know. Uh, now, we're here to talk about the uh, the music part of your life today, which uh, if, if I have your permission, uh, we've just played uh, – Bad star right before uh, this. Is that okay? Oh, awesome. Absolutely. More, more than okay. Yeah, absolutely. So that song everyone just heard, Bad Star, uh, just won uh, the pitch's Best of Award for Best Song in Kansas City this year. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty cool, right? It's, it's beyond cool. Um, that song is deeply personal to me. And um, to be frank, you know, I, mean, I think we've all had a rough year. I, I've, I've needed a win of some sort for the last couple of months, and uh, that, that did it big time. I, it, it's unbelievable, and um, to say it's not an area is an understatement. I'm, I'm, I'm still absolutely buzzing about it. It's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> it, it, it was such a nice thing to include as part of the Best of Ceremony uh, because it's such a delightful mix of, like, hey, let's uh, normalize uh, mental health and, and the struggles around it. But also, uh, there just aren't enough songs in 2020 that, uh, that flat out lay it out that like, hey, this is rock bottom. <laughs> it is actually as bad as you think. It probably cannot get worse, but you're valid in knowing that like, this is shit. <laughs> yeah, so that was absolutely the backbone of the song for me, lyrically. Um, Caleb came up with the guitar part, and it felt like a more delicate song than we usually write, but we really, we really liked the guitar part. So I wanted to fill it out. Uh, trying to figure out what the story was that I wanted to tell. And I very much zeroed in on this idea of um, in, in our genre, in the emo punk genre, there are a lot of songs that are kind of like anti-suicide, hang in there kind of songs. But they always do this thing. There's this trope of those songs that, that always bothers me. And it, it's, they have this kind of like dismissive hope. And they kind of often will even have lines like, it's not as bad as you think, and things like that. And I think that's kind of gaslighty, because sometimes actually it is as bad as you think. Sometimes, like, at some point in time, all of us will hit rock 
bottom. Now, rock bottom might be lower for some people than others, but like at some point in our life, we will experience the hardest, toughest part of our entire life. That's, that's how it works. We will also experience the, the lightest, brightest, most happy part of our life at some point in time. But I really wanted to talk, you know, address in a song head on the notion that there is such a thing as rock bottom. And that maybe the reason you feel so horrible is because your life actually couldn't get any worse than it is right now. But please hold on because that means you're already at the worst part. So if you get through it, it's only uphill from there. So, like, just please hang on. But I, I, I felt it was really important to not dismiss the idea that whoever, you know, whoever the song is speaking to is, is in fact, at, at the very bottom of the well. I, I appreciate that. Uh, the, the editor of our podcast here uh, is my friend Terrence, uh, and for a couple of years we had an uh, emo podcast together uh, until we decided uh, it's weird to get together every week and just talk about uh, whiny white guys uh, that have since been uh, revealed to be problematic. The, the, week like show, <laughs> yeah, the week our show launched, we had this awesome artwork uh, that uh, is the two of us basically in the Deja Tendu uh, brand-new cover and that was the same week that all the brand new allegations came out. Yeah. So from the start, we were like, "This is, this is bad for this." Um, yeah. But we Your we often on our, canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so we we often on the show discussed uh, a sort of scale that was like, the the scale for those songs goes from the the toxic positivity to uh, to the other end, which I, we call it the uh, the Papa Roach scale. Because uh, at least sure, you, sure. at that point you just hit the songs that are like I fucking dare you to kill yourself. It's like yeah. okay, well that's that's not helpful either. Um, so yeah, somewhere in the totally. middle probably is. Um, yeah, so I, I really appreciated uh, the the tone that this one struck. Uh, it it feels like a necessary song, and it feels like a while since I've heard a necessary song. Can you tell us about the the new EP you guys have uh, released and recorded? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Baggage, or you're never gonna leave it all behind. I've always liked alternate title things like Dr. Strange Love or how I learned to stop worrying about the bomb. And we, we can acknowledge that like you as an emo band have very emo band titles. Like I believe in Harvey Dent, which I'm fairly certain my high school emo band had that same title for a song. Like yeah. every emo band needs to just pull all their favorite pop culture references, even if they're multiple. Absolutely. Long. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that one is about Jesse Lacey. It's, it's about the parallel between Jesse Lacey and, um, and Harvey Dent, Two-Face, the idea that you either, you know, die a hero or live long enough to, to yourself become the villain. Um, but, yeah, so this new record, it, it, it's a concept record. We, we're, we, I guess probably technically it's an EP because it's only 22 minutes, but we try not to call it an EP. We kind of really think of it as a short album because it really is a concept album. It has an, an ongoing motif, and the record is actually specifically designed to take you through the journey of processing hurt and then finally coming out on the other side of it. So if you really pay attention to the lyrics on the, the, the first half, the songs, like, for example, I'm Not Afraid to Walk This World Alone, is a song about the, the moment that you recognize the relationship's over and how hurtful that is. And, you know, the, the chorus is, we could have built something real, but you knocked it down. And then uh, as the, the record progresses, the next song is Lacuna Incorporated, which is based on eternal tension of the spotless mind. And the idea is that moment where you have, you're, you're clinging on to the relationship and, it, it, and it, it probably is over. You could still fight for it, but you're not sure. And then the next song is Pages. And that song is specifically about uh, the moment that you accept that it is over and that you are ready to move on and you are ready to figure out 
what it is that you should keep and what you should leave behind. And then the next song is Kintsugi, which is truly a song about unpacking your baggage and recognizing that there is beauty in, in uh, repair. Kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing a broken vase and using golden paint to call attention to the ways in which it's damaged. And then we get to Bad Star, which is the moment where you admit that you're at rock bottom and that it's worthwhile to hold on. And then we felt like for that song to be earned, we had to write a sequel to that song. There had to be a follow-up song to that one that was like, hey, if you hold on, it actually is worth it. And so that's what the final song, Waste Away, is. The song, Waste Away, is actually based on my relationship with my wife. Um, you know, I, I fight depression, I have PTSD, serious anxiety problems. And my wife is just my absolute best friend and anchor. And uh, the chorus of the song is, uh, we, we won't be here too much longer just for the rest of our lives. We could waste away alone, worried to think about the future, or we could waste away together tonight. And that's based actually on my wife saying to me at one point in time, she said, yes, maybe there will be a civil war. Maybe everything's going to dissolve and be horrible. But tonight we're here. Can we please just watch Fargo? And uh, <laughs> it was like um, – it hit me like a truck, and I, you know, I did sit and watch Fargo, but meanwhile, I was writing the song in my head. But so uh, that, that's it in a nutshell. There's, it's, it's seven songs that we're very proud of, and I, I think they do tell a cohesive story, and we're really proud of the way that it plays from start to finish. I, I like that it is the stages of grief uh, in song form. That's uh, a good form for it to take. I, I am surprised that you shy away from the EP label because I, I was going to celebrate the fact that you guys uh, do that with your releases. I I know that EPs have gone out of style, but I really appreciate that bands like the 1975 lately have been doing like, yeah, here's six or seven songs. Cause we know that if we release 12 or 15 at the same time, like especially in Spotify world, no one's ever going to spend any fucking time with yeah, it. Might as well release totally. a few every couple of months. And like, that's how you get people to actually engage with it. It's a, it's a lot like realizing like that difference between growing up with CDs or growing up like my dad did with, vinyl and eight tracks where you couldn't skip tracks and how you would have to exactly. appreciate an album. And like, I've just never lived in that world. So it, it, the limitation seems to help. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't mean to bash EPs. I mean, it is an EP. We're proud of that. It's just more that kind of like what you just said. I think that when people hear EP, sometimes they think, oh, this is the thing they're releasing in between things, you know, and this is not what we're releasing in between things. This was the goal. This was the destination. And we, we just hope people consume it that way. And if they don't, that's fine. If they like one song, then that makes me really happy too. <laughs> so, so my favorite part about the band uh, is that <laughs> my dad and my mom, uh, when they were in their 20s, started a band together that was a cover band of like 50s, 60s, 70s rock. And that's what my dad's dad rock band is. And now that we are <laughs> of this age and that you are a dad, our dad rock, makes a similar decade leap, but it just means that we're doing like Thursday covers and the get up kids and stuff. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. and I, I, I think it's so funny to be like, Oh, we got old enough that now dad rock is emo. And like, you guys are really good at it, but it's also funny to be like, I don't know any other emo bands locally. <laughs> of course yeah. it has to come from this thing. that's like, we're not super serious about it, but we're really proud of what we do. And sometimes we do it on the weekends and I'm like, cool. That, that's exactly what it should be. Yes, absolutely. We, I think we try really hard to, even though our songs are, you know, a lot of our songs are pretty serious, but we try to have a real sense of humor about us. You know, we try to do a lot of cover songs. One of our favorite things to do is to, to do pop punk versions of other songs like we released a cover of Vanessa Carlson's A Thousand Miles. Um, we put out an EP of songs that turned 20 years old in 2019 called Party Like It's 1999. It's got 
uh, I went that way by the Backstreet Boys and um, a, cu- a couple others. And but we do definitely try it. Like, I mean, if, you know, when all of this is over, we have live shows again. I think we have really fun live shows. We, we do wild stuff. I pop up confetti cannons and we throw beach balls and uh, we pass out Capri Suns and hug everybody. And, you know, I, I think we really want it to be, um, we want it to be fun. And then, for, you know, then we can get serious for a second. But ultimately, we want it to be a celebration of this music that we grew up listening to and shaped us and, um, you know, kind of made us who we are. God, I miss hugging at concerts. Yeah, it uh, it hits <laughs> yeah. on the things that, like, I, perhaps I, I'm so excited by you guys as a band because, like, it, it gets back to Bad Star, but also your approach to things is that, like, I've never listened to emo bands that are in their 30s writing lyrics the same way that adults would write about things. So, like, it allows you to write about things that are not from the place of being uh, 21 years old and sad about a right. girl. Like, you, 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 you get – very rarely do you get a band that starts from a place of, like, well, most of us are married, uh, pretty reasonable relationship. Right, right. We have a good relationship <laughs> with our mental health. Uh, let's, let's sort of talk about things maturely instead of threatening to kill ourselves. Uh, and, and that's – that's not a thing that you get from emo uh, unless you, totally. you know, are sticking with a band like Slice that's been around for two decades. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, and I think it would be the most disingenuous thing possible if I started writing songs about girls that don't like me and stuff like that. That's just not my world anymore. I mean, like, I can't. <laughs> it, it would be so phony. <laughs> on, the, on the most basic level, your wife would hit you. Like, be like, I'll what is that. this? Oh, well, so, like, funny story is I am not afraid to walk this world alone. Um, she stumbled upon the lyrics. I handwrite a lot of my lyrics, and I left them out on the coffee table. And she, <laughs> she, she was like, "We need to talk about this." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, what? Why? What's up?" And she's like, "You're you you're still hung up on I won't say her name, but my the last woman that I dated before her. Like this song is about her. You you we could have built something real. We could have grown old together. How could you do this?" And I just burst out laughing, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no." This is a song about our dog that we had to get rid of. <laughs> we had we had a dog, and he unfortunately he kept biting our daughter, and we had to get rid of him, and it was you know really traumatic. And so a, a couple of the songs on the record are about him and that. And it was just a funny moment where <laughs> uh, my wife indeed did think I was writing about uh, a girl. And uh, what's up, please? <laughs> I I heard a similar story from uh, Jonathan Colton about uh, leaving some lyrics out, and his wife found it and was like, "Are you going to divorce me?" And he's like. No, these are the lyrics for the song for Portal 2. It's it's sung from the perspective yeah. of an insane supercomputer that wants to murder somebody oh in a test chamber. And she's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry I made it about me. He's like, no, I, I get it. You, you found it in the house yeah. while cleaning. It's a, it's a tricky spot. He's like, oh, that explains why the bridge was just, the cake is a lie over and over. I I guess final question here today, uh, in in light of recent events, what's your favorite song about just how fucked we are? Oh, man. Uh, I would have to go currently, I mean, maybe this is a recency bias, but just by From the Jewels uh, is is absolutely incredible. That whole RTJ4, that LP is just absolutely incredible. And... um, I think that that song really gets to the idea, I mean, not to get all political and everything, but like that money and the amount of money that's in politics and how broken parts of capitalism are, uh, are really the root of almost all of the problems. Like, obviously, like uh, there are other really big issues, but a lot of like the big systemic problems are perpetuated because of money. And I think that song does a really good job of 
articulating that while also just being a banger, just an absolute fantastic song. So yeah, I would go just by Run the Jewels off their new record. Where can people find and support the Way Way Back? (laughs) Oh, sure. Sure. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, so we are, um, we're on all the major streaming platforms. The coolest thing you could do is if you like the record, actually buy it instead of just streaming it on Spotify. But no, it's not on your band that. camp, which was frustrating for oh, me. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I forgot that. I need to actually manually – I'm glad you said that. I will do that today. Uh, we use DistroKid, and DistroKid has everything except for Bandcamp. So I'm glad you just reminded me of that. So I will get that Wonderful. on Bandcamp. Uh, by the time this publishes, it will be on Bandcamp. Um, but yeah, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, all of those should have it. And then I will say um, we are in the process of working out a vinyl pressing of the record. And when we do that, keep your eyes out on our social media pages um, because we will be doing pre-order bundles. We're probably going to do some shirts or some merch to go along with the records. But I'm so excited to have this pressed on vinyl uh, again because I do think it's a record that, that deserves to be listened to front to back. I'm so excited. I'm just going to go ahead and PayPal you some money right now, just taking care of it. I don't to that when that comes out. Uh, Ben, thank you so much for talking to us today. (laughs) Thank you, dude. I really appreciate it, truly. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Streetwise from The Pitch in Kansas City. I am your host and the editor-in-chief of The Pitch, Brock Wilbur. Thank you so much for listening. Consider becoming a sponsoring member of The Pitch, uh, local journalism, Having a hell of a time. It doesn't survive without you. We are doing great work at thepitchkc.com each and every day. We have the magazine coming out for free to you each and every month. Uh, This podcast is here. Other podcasts may be on the way. Become a member. uh, Get in on this. Help us out, but also like uh, reap the wonderful rewards that come with it. If you don't want to be a member, like there's always ability to toss us a couple of bucks here and there if you've just got something. Like you literally... Every penny helps. Uh, We've got to keep the lights on, and we appreciate everything you do for us. Uh, Thank you for listening to this show. Pitch it in. Bye-bye-bye-bye.